The scripture reading for today is from Romans 14, verses 1 to 14, from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Do not judge another. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything while while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat. God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is beyond your own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days are to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day observe it in honor of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God. While those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves. We we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For for, For to this end, God died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the dying. And the living, pardon me, and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother and sister? For, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. And so then, each of us will be accountable to God. It says, do not make another st- stumble. Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance on the way to the other. I know and I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. Amen. Thank you for that beautiful reading. Let's sing.
my gosh. Every week I send Ron an outline of the kind of thing we're going to preach on and base the service on that week. And he picks the most perfect hymns. I, I don't know how he does it, but... He, he seems to know the whole book, both the more, more voices and the hymnal, like cover to cover. And I just say, this is kind of the scripture from the lectionary. This is kind of the theme of where I'm going. And he goes, got you. I know exactly what songs I'm going to pick. Here you go. Really quickly, I get an email back going, here's all your songs for Sunday. And I, oh. <laughs> so great. We have such a great team. It almost feels strange to preach on this passage because you don't need a fancy, expensive theology degree to understand the basic concept of this passage, not to judge one another. It's right there in the title. It's right there throughout the passage. I don't need to go into ancient Hebrew and Greek and interpret what was happening at the time. You get it. It's a timeless message that we always need to be reminded of. Hey, play nice. Be kind to one another. Yet it's our human tendency and makeup somehow to think, my way is right and thou shalt not do it any other way. The danger of that self-righteousness lies in the tendency to make our own convictions the measure of the convictions for other people. Paul frames the discussion in terms of the weak and the strong and contrasts those two camps and shows that both groups are actually in danger of letting those convictions that they stand so strongly behind about what's proper in Christian obedience in everyday matters to disrupt the whole community of the faithful. It's like there's a division, those who eat meat and those who are vegetarian. The weak and the strong, those who do it this way and those who do it that way. And it can get in the way of the greater purpose of standing back and looking at who and what we're supposed to be as the followers of God, as the church. Paul outlines three reasons why such condemnation by either group is wrong. Number one, a Christian is a servant, a servant of God and a member of God's household. And it's not right for us to criticize or judge another servant who is a member. If God is willing to accept and love on such a person, whether weak or strong, meat eater, vegetarian, believe this, believe that, if God is willing to love them and welcome them into the fold, who are we to think otherwise and make it difficult in any way? The condemnation of fellow Christians, number two, whose practices differ from those allowed by one's own understanding of this is the proper response that you must follow to God's grace is wrong. Because although the practices may differ, they grow from a common root. All are done in our way of wanting to honor God. That motivation for Christian conduct is the 
only appropriate one for us to want to honor God. Since Christians, as God's servants, don't live for ourselves, we live for God, who through Christ rules not only the living, but over the dead as well. The third reason why it's improper for us to condemn other believers for the choices they make and the things they might believe that are a little different than how we believe and how we do things. In their understanding of appropriate Christian lifestyle rest in the fact that it's God, not the Christian, who is the one who ultimately judges such matters. Setting oneself up as a judge is is inappropriate for what belongs ultimately only to God. The danger of self-righteousness is therefore closely aligned to the danger of like a self-idolatry. We want to stay as far away and clear of that if we can. It's the danger of setting something up as God other than God our beliefs rather than our true, ultimate, holy one that we worship. Besides, Paul points out, since all will be judged by how we've conducted ourselves as Christians, we have enough worry about how we're going to be accountable one day to God for our own life without worrying about everybody else's life around us. We want to love on people, contribute to people, bless people, encourage others, but we don't obviously want to judge others for the way they live, the things they believe, the choices they make under God's care in God's family. It's an age-old concern of judging, and it's so easy to judge. I certainly judge people who drive bad in traffic. I judge sometimes, and I'm a pedestrian, I judge the pedestrian with one second on the clock who decides now is the time while they're on their phone that they need to cross the street, not aware of the world around them. And then we have to ask forgiveness and let that go. Let us not judge one another for any reason as much as we can. And if we do find ourselves judging, let us let that go and repent of that and ask forgiveness for that right away and check in with ourselves. Is this mirroring something that I do? The fact that such attempts are rooted in strongly held convictions does not make the many less examples of self-righteousness Paul is combating in these verses that we read today. Clearly, the structures of grace which Paul writes confer a measure of freedom in respect to how we conduct our daily activities and how we go about the life and the business of God. That flexibility within reasonable limits demands tolerance among Christians for varying kinds of beliefs and behaviors. We have some things in common that we hold to be true. And beyond that, we can make space and grace for one another. What was clean to eat and not clean to eat, these were huge issues at the time for people. For the Jews, it was important to be clean and not to be tainted by anything so that when you were worshiping, you were in the right place and relationship with God. 
and for people to eat not clean food, although God declared everything clean, but for some to think that some food is not clean, it, it would have been difficult for some people to believe that they were in right relationship with God, even though maybe they were. And that was their business with God, not the other camp. Today, we still have some divisive issues in the global church. Some churches are not for women in leadership still. That's a divisive issue in the church. And as I'm sure you know, welcoming LGBT, two-spirit, Q-plus people in the church is also quite controversial in some circles still. We have our camps on this side and that side still. The United Church is pretty progressive and ahead of the curve on all that, but there are still many churches in the world where women can't be in leadership and two-spirit LGBTQ people are not allowed to be involved in the church. The message is clear. Don't let these things get in the way of these things before us on the altar. The cross, the word of God, the stories of the people of God and how God is our God and we are God's people and we are called to love God and follow God and the light of the world. Don't let all that other stuff blind you and keep you from remembering what's most important, beloved children of God. There's a meme that goes around on the internet. It's really funny. A meme is like someone takes a picture and they put a funny saying over top. And this is a letter written by Paul to the people in Rome, in Romans. And uh, the meme, the funny saying on the picture says, basically every letter of Paul has the same kind of structure. It goes like this. Hello, I give thanks for you being a people of God and for the work you're doing and for your faith. Stick with the gospel that's been proclaimed to you. Stop messing up and being schmucks. And Timothy says hi. <laughs> that's a meme that goes around on the internet that every letter of Paul is kind of written with the same formula. Hello, I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're Christians. Remember the gospel that was proclaimed to you in the beginning. Hold strong, hold fast to it. Remember Jesus and the word of God. Encourage one another. Please quit messing up in the way your community's messing up. Let's fix that and get back on track. And Timothy says, hi. I love that. Here's a saying that's been attributed to lots of people. I don't know who the original author is. There's so many references quoted. But check this out. Here's a nice thing to capture for today. In the essentials of our faith, unity amongst us. In the non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. In the essentials, unity. The non-essentials, liberty. In all these things, charity. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. So it boils down to this. We are a group of people who come together with some common beliefs in faith in God. 
These things bind us together in the community in an incredible and powerful way, even though we may come from different backgrounds and traditions and life experiences, somehow God brings us all together under this one purpose and faith. And that's amazing. Let's let go of the details. Let's be generous and kind and loving to one another. Let's remember the core tenets of our faith and let all the other stuff go that might divide us. Let's not judge one another, but encourage one another in the faith. Let's encourage one another to draw closer to God and do all we can with the time we have to contribute to the world in loving and generous ways. Easy? No, of course not. But that's our challenge, and that's our call. In John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus is recorded as saying, I give you a new commandment. Some of you may know this one by heart. I give you a new commandment. Love one another, please. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples because of the way you love one another. So let's aim not to judge one another on the details, but to extend grace, to work together to further the work of God each of us has to do in this world and collectively, thereby making the most of the time we're allotted. May it be so. Amen.